Hi, this is Kelly. And this is Jenna. And you're listening to ODFM. Today's episode is One Dirt Bike from Murder. This story, you know, because we've already done planes, the trains, the automobiles, the boats. Submarine. The submarine. I was like, what other travel things do I have with the letter D? So I started searching. I stumbled on this story and not realizing that as I went further down the rabbit hole, that this turned out to be a really great story. Yay! <laughs> so I'm super excited about this one. So yeah, this was, I did not search out this particular murder story this kind of it found stumbled you. In, yes it, it found me which is actually kind of terrifying that's horrifying um, so so <laughs> one dirt bike from murder here we go are All you right. ready i i i think so you think so yep i'm ready okay. <laughs> i had to check okay. yeah okay check check around you got everything okay cool mm-hmm. no goes so this story takes place or at least the beginning of this story takes place in chesney south carolina which okay. is a small town about of about like 1,000 people. Really Ooh, small. Very small. Just south of the North and South Carolina border. So it's oh. right at the very top of the okay. state. In January of 2001, motorcycle enthusiast Scott Ponder opens a motorcycle and power sports dealership called Superbike Motorsports in Chesney. He hires his best friend, Brian Lucas, as oh, the duh. service manager. That's right? what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's all who you know. His mother, Beverly Guy, worked as the shop's bookkeeper and ran errands. Nice. So it's a family affair. Everybody's, you know, it's kind of cool. The shop is an immediate success. Whoa, that's great. Yeah, yeah, like like right away, first year in business. So that doesn't happen very often. So so Scott invests more money and expands the service department and then hires uh, mechanic Chris Sherbert. I double checked his spelling. It is Sherbert. Chris Sherbert. <laughs> He's yummy. Mm. He's yummy. Mm. Um, in 2003. So now we're at 2003 and Scott Ponder, the owner, is now 30 years old. He's married to his beautiful wife, Melissa, who he met at a motorcycle show. Well, right? match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. And in October of 2003, Melissa learns she's pregnant with the couple's first child. Things are going really well. So he's got this this great business, and he works with his mom and his best friend, and they're he's got a great a baby. Wife. Okay, like everything's it. everything is going well, which you know never, never ends well. <laughs> never in, ends in, well in our right? stories. Uh, yeah. So now I'm going to ruin it. Okay. Great. I know. <laughs> it's how I it's how I roll. I blame you. <laughs> Don't invite me. Okay. <laughs> On the afternoon of November sixth, two thousand and three. Scott's friend, Noel Lee, calls the shop and speaks to Scott and lets him know he's coming in. He has a lot of friends who are motorcycle enthusiasts and they they come in, they shoot the shit, they yeah. check out what's new in the shop. Like they don't just come in for like one thing. They like right. they hang together there. You know. It's like a dirt bike bar of sorts without the bar. Right, without the alcohol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fact, he probably would have done even better in business had oh my he had a bar. Right? That, <laughs> that would be great. amazing. Yes. Right. <laughs> Huh. Just oh, might be onto something. Hmm. Okay. Dirt bike bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They speak on the phone. Noel hangs up. He drives to the store. It's about seven minutes. It's all it takes to get from where he was to the store. Okay. He arrives at the store and finds all four employees shot to death. Whoa. Okay. So he calls 911. And this is what he said on the um, 911 call. He's like, it's at uh, Superbike Motorsports. Apparently, everyone's been shot up here. Everybody's laying down in a pool of blood. His mama's been shot. The mechanic's oh. been shot. Just like, I mean, oh. he just talked to them seven minutes before. Uh, right? And nothing was, everything was. bloodbath. Right? And he just shows up. Uh, and yeah, what the heck? Police suspected that the shooter entered the shop from the back and shot the mechanic, Chris Sherbert, while he was working back mm. there. Chris was 26 years old. He hadn't even been working there for very long. The shooter then came through the shop and entered into the showroom. So the shop was at the back of the store and then goes into the showroom. And that's where Beverly Guy was shot. She was 52 years old, about to be a grandma. Oh, I know. 
right? <clears throat> Brian Lucas, who had two children, was shot at the main entrance. He was 29. Oh, God. Yeah, they're all very young. And then finally, Scott Ponder was shot just outside. He was 30 years old. Oh, no. It appeared that Brian and Scott were killed as they were trying to run out the front entrance oh, of the shop. Oh, God. Of the that's shop. horrifying. I, right? Deputies were able to determine the exact time of the shooting, not just because Noel had spoken to them Mm -hmm. and then got there seven minutes later, but Scott had his cell phone in his hand and seemed to have been trying to call his wife, Melissa, but the call didn't go through. Oh, God. That's heartbreaking. Um, Police held the bike shop as a crime scene for more than a week and even shut down the road in front of the shop for three days. Whoa. Inside, they found 18 shell casings, some brass, some nickel or some brass and some nickel plated, sorry, all from the same nine millimeter gun, but there were no fingerprints on any of the shell casings. Hmm. Nobody wore gloves, maybe. Mm-hmm. So another customer who was familiar with the store, his name is Kelly Sisk. He and his four-year-old son were in the store just before the shooting. He had gone in to make a payment on a go-kart he was buying for his family mm. and to do a little browsing because yeah. you, know, you go I there mean, and you're yeah. like, oh, what else is here? Let's check out the bikes. He and his son were in the store for about 30, 45 minutes and witnessed Scott speaking to a man about a good beginner's motorcycle. Hmm. By the time Kelly Sisk got home, the shooting was already on the news. He was shocked as he had just been there with his four-year-old son. Yeah, that would scare the shit out of you. And this was at 2.45 in the afternoon. This was the middle of the day. Yeah, you wouldn't think anything bad would happen then. Right, Uh. exactly. Kelly gave police a description of the man he saw with Scott. Police (laughs) released a composite sketch. He was described as a white male, around six feet tall, between 175 and 200 pounds, with dark brown feathered hair. Ooh, hot. uh, Right? That's what I was thinking was, woo! Yeah. What? Kelly also recalled that the man was wearing a leather coat, which he found strange because it was a warm day. Hmm. So he made note of the fact that, like, it's a little warm today for the leather coat. Yeah, why are you wearing that? Interesting. Uh, maybe he was just trying to look cool in a motorcycle shop. Yeah, right? he was like, got to try to fit in. The first thing police looked into was motive, right? Mm-hmm. And the first possible motive they came up with was based on mechanic Chris Siebert. Mm-hmm. Sherbert. Siebert? Sherbert. It says Sherbert. Yeah, you said Sherbert The mechanic's Sherbert name was Chris Sherbert. Chris. <laughs> Chris um, Ice Cream. Yes. So mm-hmm. he actually had a court date the Monday after the shooting Hmm. for drug charges. So Hmm. at first they suspected maybe he was targeted because he was going to turn state's evidence and testify, but that turned out to be a dead end. Then police focused their attention on Scott's wife, Melissa. Oh no. She had given birth to a baby boy that she named Scotty after his late father. And when Scotty was six months old, Melissa was told by police a DNA test showed that Scott was not the father (laughs) of her child. Oh, shit. Um, The test revealed that Brian, Scott's best friend, was the (gasps) father. Who also worked at the shop? Who also worked at the shop. Oh, what's with these shitty best friends (laughs) you're finding? (laughs) So police started to theorize that the shooting was a result of a love triangle gone wrong. Mm. Now, Melissa was adamant that she had never cheated on Scott and Hmm. demanded a second DNA test. So they did it again. And again, it showed that Brian Lucas was the father. However, it turned out that the blood found at the crime scene had been mislabeled and that Scott and Brian's blood samples (sighs) had been flip-flopped. Oh my God. How scary. I mean, if that's happening in a murder (laughs) investigation, that could really mess shit up. Totally. Oh, my God. So it took a little while for all, you know, because DNA results don't come back. It's not like a 24-hour thing. It's not like getting a flu test. COVID test. (laughs) Right, exactly. So (laughs) Melissa Ponder was cleared as a suspect, but the damage to her reputation had already been done. I mean, they live in a town of a thousand people. Oh, my God. And all those people, they want to believe the worst. Oh, yeah. So she'd been dragged through the mud already. Mm. That, That ship sailed. She's That's it. Oh, poor woman. God so damn. her reputation, trash. Mm-hmm. Her husband's been murdered. Their family business is now shut down in the wake of the murders. So she oh. and her son moved to Arizona. They're yeah, just like, they- leave too. Yeah. It was like- After that, police ran out of leads. The case was dubbed the Superbike Murders. 
and it was profiled on the show America's Most Wanted in the hopes of generating more leads, but it started to look like the murders would never be solved. Well, there's so many feathered hair men out there, I mean, mean, especially at this time, yes. Right, wearing leather jackets in November. I mean, yeah, so (laughs) I thought we could uh, take a little break here while we think about this, because this story I'm going to tell starts with this cold case, but it is about to get seriously messed up from here. Was it about so, to get hot in here? It's about, <laughs> so take, Ooh, no, so, don't take Yeah, anything. don't take off your clothes. Don't take off your clothes. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. And that's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code LISTENER5 at checkout. That's O-M-I-O dot com with the code LISTENER5, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R 5 at checkout. Valid until the 30th of June for new users on all modes of transport. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo. Plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Now I'm going to take you to Labor Day weekend of 2016. So it's been 13 years since the Superbike murders. (gasps) Magic 13. Mm -hmm. Magic 13, right? Okay. 30-year-old Kayla Brown and her boyfriend, 32-year-old Charles David Carver, go missing from Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is just 16 miles south of Chesney, where the Superbike Mm. murders took place. Oh, okay. No one had seen either of them since August 31st. And so their families filed a missing persons report. And so they're like, okay. What was the date that you started with? We started with November of 2006, and now we're at okay. um, Labor Day weekend of Labor Day weekend, okay. So, so it's Labor September. Day weekend. Okay. So, right. So it's, just, it's September. So they waited a couple, you know, they waited a couple days, and they're like, Ooh, okay, we're not okay. hearing from any of them, right? Yikes. So they, so they file missing persons reports, right? Police are starting to look into it. After weeks of silence, strange messages appeared on both Kayla and Charlie's Facebook pages. <gasps> There were posts indicating that the couple had gotten married, bought a house, and mm-hmm. wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. That's usual. <laughs> yeah. And family and friends were like, this does not <laughs> sound right. This, yeah. They were like, uh-uh. mm-hmm. so they've been hacked. This is not, this is weird. This doesn't sound like them. So they made requests via Facebook saying, that's fine if that's the case, but we want to hear from you. Call yes. us. We want to hear yeah. your voice say Make sure this is actually you. Okay. No phone call. More time passes. A couple more weeks go by and their friends and family create a like help find Kayla and Charlie Facebook page. And they start putting posts up there for that. And those posts are getting liked by Kayla and Charlie's accounts. <gasps> That's right, Which is weird. So that's I'm like, super creepy. If it was really them, why they wouldn't yeah. like it, right? Like, but thanks. then whoever's got, mm, yeah, right? It was really weird. That's creepy. Okay. Right? So in early September, as, as as soon as they found out that like their families were like, I, I don't think this is them. Mm-mm, I think their accounts mm-mm. have been hacked. Police started getting what they needed to get search warrants to track. Oh, good. Like the IP address or wherever. Exactly. For their for their Facebook stuff <sighs> and their cell phones and try to get access to like where their phones had last pinged okay. and all that kind of stuff. Right. Wow. By October. So it's been like a month. They were able to obtain messages between Kayla and Charlie that they spoke to each other on Facebook discussing meeting up with a realtor named Todd Colehep at his home in nearby Moore, South Carolina. Mm -mm. And he would take them to another property where they were going to do some outdoor work for him. There's this realtor. They're going to go, you know, so they're luckily they spoke to each other via Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. So there's evidence. Right. Police tracked the last location of their smartphones to a 95-acre semi-wooded property in nearby Woodruff, South Carolina. With a lot of places that you could put a body. Uh-huh. That's oh, a lot of acreage, That's a right? lot of acreage. Yeah. The property was also owned by Todd Colehep, who was the owner of TKA Real Estate, or Todd Colehep 
Associates Real Estate. There were like two different names for it. I'm like, I don't know, but whatever. Friends were able to confirm that Charlie and Kayla occasionally did side jobs for Todd, like cleaning and doing small repairs for homes he was selling. Okay, so they kind of knew him. cool. But when police looked into the realtor, they realized that he was a registered sex offender (gasps) and had previously served 15 years in prison in Arizona for rape and kidnapping. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is all a very bad sign. Yes. (laughs) Kidnapping, too. Oh, I mean... On November 3rd, police went to Todd Kolhep's property in Woodruff to serve a search warrant. It was very secluded, and the property was surrounded by a six-foot-tall chain-link fence. Jeez. Ooh, creepy. Like a jail. Yeah, it's jail. very creepy. Ooh. And it was mostly, like, just non-developed area, just, like, lots of Scrub tall grass brush. and weeds and, right, and then, like, some wooded area and stuff, but near the middle... So Mm -hmm. as far away from the borders of the property as possible was a two-car garage with a living space on top. And then next to it was a 30 by 15 foot green cargo container. Hmm. So police are walking around as they, and as they approach the cargo container, deputies begin hearing (gasps) banging coming from inside (gasps) the container. Oh my God. Right. So there was a padlock on it. Police cut the padlock on the cargo container, and inside they found Kayla Brown chained <gasps> around her neck and ankles. Oh, my and, God. Oh, yeah. There was, like, a mattress on the floor. Oh, my and, God. Um, just, like, um, a little thing of drawers and stuff. I mean, there was no light in there. There was no electricity. That's horrible. Yeah. She was sitting on the floor. I have pictures oh, of it. God. There's, I, fa- um, I don't know if we can post it. I don't know if we have the rights to post it. But if you Google it, there is actual video of them cutting the the door open yeah. on the cargo container oh, and walking, and finding in. her. Oh my yes. god! Actually, oh. as you walk into the left, there's what looks like a cage. It looks like you know when you mm. see people doing shark diving and they go yes. into those cages. There oh was, my god! She wasn't in the cage, but there was a cage in there. Uh, and I, I assume she wasn't a go-go dancer dancing no. in the cage. This is, no. mm-mm. Mm-mm. This is not that this kind was of cage. Not, no, no, mm. not at all. As police were working, so they found her, they asked her who she was. As they are working to cut her out of the chains that she's in, they ask her about Charlie. And she oh. answers, he shot him. <gasps> Todd Kolhep shot, this is her, her words. Yeah. Todd Kolhep shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest. He wrapped him up in a blue tarp, put him in the bucket of the tractor, locked <gasps> me down in here. I've never seen him again. Oh, my God. That's so scary. That and that was woman. two months ago. <gasps> oh, she was in that cargo container for two, two months. Months. Oh, God, this guy. So Ooh. while that's happening, they immediately sent offers to Todd Kolhep's actual home in Moore, which is a town just like nearby and he was he was at home and they arrested him right there on the spot oh they sent officers i thought you said yes. they sent offers and i'm like what they're trying oh, to I'm buy sorry, his house officers. <laughs> said, yeah it's like they're trying to buy his house yes exactly Can, we really love your storage container right. exactly oh my i'd god, like to send be, an offer oh my god <laughs> oh that's horrible okay Oof. all right so kayla told police that she had been raped and assaulted by todd daily <laughs> She was kept in the container with the chain around her neck and in the dark most of the time. God. He would bring her food once a day. Oof. And occasionally take her out and walk her around the property, but always with the chains on. Jesus. Ugh. I know. And he showed her a spot on the property that appeared to be three graves and told her if she tried to escape, she'd go directly into one too. Oh, Jesus. This guy's... Sick. Scary. (laughs) Like, horrifying scary. Police found guns and a large amount of ammunition on the property. They also found Charlie Carver's car buried beneath some bushes. And cadaver dogs led police to an area where they found Charlie's body in a shallow grave. (gasps) Kayla also told police that Todd told her he planned to build a house for the two of them. And that it would have a soundproof room for Kayla, Aww, who he sweet. called his good kitten. <gasps> ah, oh, yeah. Creepy. Just, uh, good kitten. Gross, right? No. Don't ruin and that word. And he explained that his hope was that she would form 
Stockholm syndrome and that eventually they would be happy together. Oh my God, this guy is mental. Yeah. And she had said that she played along as much oh, as she good could for because her. she yeah. was really freaked out and she was just like, like gee, thanks. trying to survive really, as long as she could. Yeah. Really excited about my own soundproof room. Exactly. So she tried to play along as best as, as possible. But investigators did find a pre-dug hole next to where Charlie was buried. <gasps> so they weren't sure oh if what God. he really, you know, he was he was ready just in case Jesus she didn't if she, cooperate. If she was bad. Yeah. I know. I can't <laughs> bad kitty. Todd Kolhep was taken to the police station and he said he was willing to talk to the police without a lawyer. If the sheriff would do three things first. Oh, God. He wanted a special picture taken to his mom. Hmm. He wanted to transfer some money to a friend to help her daughter for college. Okay. And he wanted to talk to his mother before he started confessing anything. Yes. He wanted his mother to hear what happened from him first. Oh, yeah. He wanted to make up some story first. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to make some shit yeah. up. Yeah. Right. Don't believe what they're going to say <laughs> and gonna... the proof. And the evidence and everything that's about to come out. I am a good boy. I am still your good boy. Oh, God. And she bought it hook, line, and sinker. Of course. (laughs) In an interview with 48 Hours News Correspondent, David Begnod. I think it's Begnod. David. The reporter. Mm -hmm. David from 48 Hours. (laughs) Todd's mother, Regina Tegg, said this. And I just copied it verbatim because Uh this is the kind of shit you can't make up. This is his mother. I want to say something to the people who have been hurt. I want the world to know that he's not a bad person. Mm. He's a good person. (laughs) Sure. When asked why he chained Kayla up, his mother said, because he didn't know what to do at that point. This is her words. She saw, evidently, him kill her boyfriend, and he didn't know what to do with her. He couldn't turn her loose. She'd go to the police. He tried to make her as comfortable as possible. Oh, Get yeah. her food. He had a dilemma. Um, lady. She has such parental blinders on, this woman. <laughs> well, and like, who? what did she do to raise him? I, oh, my God. I just, she, she just was like, no, he's a good like, person. This is so, fine. What's wrong? I don't get it. Oof. So the reporter, David, asked if Todd abused Kayla Brown. Mm, mm -hmm. And his mother said, nope, he said he did not. He promised me. And believe me, he would have told me. Because, right, if he was going to admit to sexually abusing anybody, Mm -hmm. it would be to his mom. It would be mom. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) What? Yeah, you always tell your your mom all that stuff. I tell my mom everything. (laughs) Everything. Oh, my God. She's delusional. And I I didn't want to lock her up. But I had to. I mean, I, she I was sought to kill dilemma. somebody. I mean, what was I supposed to do? I mean, I was in a pickle. I, I was in a pickle. <laughs> I'm such a pickle. I didn't know what to do. So, but it's cool. I made her comfortable. I threw a mattress on the floor yeah. and I fed her once a day. And I put a chain around her. her neck. It was a nice chain. I mean, it yeah, was a nice sometimes chain. I it was new. I bought it new for her. I mean, what the? What? <laughs> Holy shiz. His mother continues to say, he brought her food and water and drinks. He brought her something to lay on. Hmm. And we didn't go into great detail, except that I can't imagine her being in there for two months. Oh, come on, Mom. She's making this shit up? What, <sighs> what motive does she have? No shit. I want her to know how sorry I am. And I think Todd is too. Because he didn't want to hurt her. He oh. just didn't know what to do. Yeah. For two I mean, fucking months. What do you do? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you're a good dog, good kitten. <laughs> the reporter asked, so why did Todd kill Charlie Carver? Because this is where the whole yeah, pickle started, like, right? Yeah, why did he start? And his mother said, quote, because he got nasty and got smart mouthed. Well. And Todd, <laughs> and Todd had hired him to do some stuff. And Todd pays well. And the guy got mouthy about it. And from my, what I gathered, he started to say some smart things to Todd. And I guess Todd shot him. Well, that's a reasonable reaction right there. You're right, Mom. Could you imagine? We should go straight to killing people when we get <laughs> when you, they mouth off. Could you imagine him getting called into the principal's office or like oh, parent-teacher conferences? Jesus. And the teacher like, look, your child is out of control. And she's like, well, you got mouthy with him. 
You gave yeah, him a What did you, you do? Right. It was, you gave him an F. What did you expect him to do? Like, I mean, I can't even imagine. You must have done something wrong. Oh, God. Ooh. Wow. Mm. Todd Kolhep didn't ask for a lawyer. He wanted to talk to police. Hmm. And he admitted to police that there were two more bodies buried on his property. So he is legit a serial killer at yeah. this point. But These he's still a good boy. Were mouthy, too. <laughs> right. There's a lot of mouthy people out there. Oh, God. At the end of 2015, husband and wife Johnny Joe Coxie and Megan Lee McCraw Coxie disappeared. Whoa. That was okay. a mouthful. Yes. That was. You did good. Whew. Okay. Yeah. Lots of Coxies. Lots <laughs> Sorry. of Coxie. Well, oh my God, I can't even say it. Okay. <laughs> Johnny was 29. Megan was 25. And they yeah. had a one-year-old son. They were, they were married. They had oh. a one-year-old son. The son was being watched by somebody else. Okay, good. But- the parents disappeared. Megan's mother reported them missing on December 22nd after not being able to reach them. Mm. Megan was a waitress at Waffle House. Mm, yum, which we've Waffle House. We have. And a co-worker said that Todd Kolhep was a frequent customer and he <laughs> would invite Megan to his house. <gasps> Shocker. Don't do it, Megan. Wait, Don't you did. It. Oh, I'll bring you he some reportedly, waffles. Yeah, he reportedly made many of the female waitresses mm. uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and he would leave them very large tips in an effort to get them to go home with him. Mm. Yikes. Yo, there's no tip big enough. Yeah. So apparently the waitresses complained to management, mm-hmm. but the manager, rather than banning mm-hmm. him from the restaurant... They just made sure that when he came in, only the male waiters waited on him. See, problem solved, right? Gee, thanks. Thanks for taking our our concerns. Right, exactly. Seriously. Yeah, we love that. In December of 2015, Megan and Johnny agreed to do some work at Colehep's 95-acre property. They needed money. He offered them some work. Mm, this is his MO. Good way to get people out there. Right? Out to a secluded area? Sure. Johnny was shot and killed right away. Of course. He was shot several times in the chest. Oh, God. He kept Megan in the cargo container for a week. Whoa. She didn't make it long. She was mouthy. She must have been mouthy Mm -hmm. because she was shot in the head (gasps) on or around Christmas Day. Oh. And when police found their graves, it was confirmed that they had been buried for about 11 months. Wow. But Todd Kolhep wasn't done. Oh. Of course. He then shocked police by confessing to the superbike murders. Oh, what? Superbike murders not solved after 13 years until the killer actually confessed. He admitted to firing a single bullet into the forehead of each of the four victims. And that was something police never released to the public and only the killer would know. Mm. Oh, so they knew it had to be him. They knew it had to be him. So... Again, his mother talking to 48 Hours. This woman. I I I can't wait to hear her excuse for this. Okay. Her quote was, I asked him if he did it and he told me, yeah, he did. And I said, why? He said, because he had always wanted a motorbike. He didn't know how to ride it. And they made fun of him. And they (sighs) laughed at him, made jokes at him. And he was hurt. Oh, poor baby. And apparently his mother thought that that was a reasonable explanation. They were probably joking around and he couldn't take a freaking joke. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure they were like, you know, the cool motorcycle guys who were like, this dummy doesn't know what he's doing and all this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's how you handle the situation. Oh, and also in the... In the interview, like his mom's crying and stuff. I'm like, you know, Hmm. they don't know. I mean, the killings, that's not all him. And they keep saying he's a serial killer. He's not a serial killer. Um, He murdered multiple people. mm -hmm. And there were downtimes. The one downtime was within a span of 13 years. He's a serial killer. He's a serial killer. (laughs) There's a difference between mass murderers and serial killers. Oh. Yeah. Gonna take a little break here. Okay, good. Just to soak in what we've we talked about here. Slap his mom a few times and show her how people really react to mouthiness. Do you own a small business or make cool and unusual handcrafted items? We love artists and small business owners, and we would be stoked to help you get the word out about yours. Consider advertising with us through this podcast. 
It's super affordable, and our podcast reaches every corner of the U.S. and even worldwide. To find out more, visit odfmpodcast.com and click on the Advertise With Us link. Let's get your creativity into the hands of people who would love it. Okay, you ready? I think you're going to get a couple of the answers that you wanted here. All right, I'm ready. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you about Todd Christopher Kohlhepp. Oh, yes. I want to know about him, this dude. So he was born on March 7th, 1971 in Florida. It's just... Florida. Right. Florida, man. Somebody do it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. <laughs> I know. Poor Florida. I mean... I know. Like, you know, it, it is what in the it water. Is. I don't know. <laughs> right? It's not just alligators. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just alligators in the water. So he was born in Florida, but he was raised in South Carolina and Georgia. His parents divorced when he was two. And a year later, his mother remarried in nursery school. Nursery school, right? So we're talking ages three, four. Okay. Todd hit other kids and destroyed their projects. Um, Yours is better than mine. Right. That's how this all starts out, right? It doesn't start out with serial killers. It Uh -uh. it builds up, right? It builds. As a young child, he Mm -hmm. shot a dog with a BB Mm, gun. I knew you were going to say something with the animal. No. And he used bleach to kill a goldfish because he wanted a gerbil instead. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah, right? Yikes, I mean, that's this a is some mean death. Shit. Yeah. Right? Because Jesus. he wanted a gerbil. I mean. I mean, flush it so you feel like it has a chance at least. Oh, my God. Oh. Jesus, gross. So Todd was sent to therapy at age nine. Oh, well, they actually tried something. Huh? Yeah, they did. Where he was described as being explosive and oh. preoccupied with sexual content at uh, nine. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is What's not he been exposed anywhere to? good. He spent three and a half months in a Georgia psychiatric hospital as an inpatient mm. because of his inability to get along with other children. Yikes. Three and a half months inpatient. That's a huge. That's serious. That's yeah. true. Like, why is he on the streets? This might this might surprise you, but Todd mm. did not get along with his stepfather. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> he, he didn't get along with other children. No, he didn't get along adults. with anybody. And he constantly asked to go live with his biological father in Arizona, even though he hadn't seen his biological father since his parents had split. Sounds like he couldn't do any worse there. In 1983, when Todd was 12, he was granted his wish, and he went to move. He went and lived with his father in Arizona. Not a lot of information on his dad, but his father reportedly said that the only emotion his son was capable of was anger. Ooh, that's right? like the I keep worst one. Like the Omen, or Ooh. what was that? The Good Son. Remember that ah, movie? Yes, with the, with the creepy Macaulay Culkin was like mm-hmm. ah. psychotic. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. What do you do with that kid? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh On November 25th, 1986, Todd Kolhep is 15 years old. He kidnapped a 14-year-old <gasps> girl in Tempe, Arizona. Oh. It was a neighbor, like a house or two down. Oh, my God. He knocked on her door. He threatened her with a 22 caliber revolver. Oh, my God. Brought her back to his home, tied her up taped her mouth shut and raped her. <gasps> and he was 15. He was 15 and she was 14. <gasps> oh. And then afterwards, he fucking walked her home <gasps> and then threatened to kill her younger siblings if she told anybody oh, about what happened. Oh my god. But they did find out because her I guess her brother had called the police because he didn't yeah. know where her sister went and he was on the phone. When she walked back into the door and she just took the phone immediately and said what happened. Oh, my God. So he was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, and committing a dangerous crime against a child mm-hmm. at the age of 15. Oh, this isn't going anywhere good. Mm-mm. He was charged as an adult and pled guilty to wow. the kidnapping charge in exchange for dropping the other charges. Mm. So, I don't know. I mean, kidnapping is bad, but I feel like it's yeah. worse. But oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe wow. one has more of a prison sentence? I'm not sure. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. 
Wow. And he had to register as a sex offender. Well, that's good, at least. He's 15. But, he already had to register yeah. as a sex offender. I mean, technically, he's not allowed near a school. Right. And he's still in school. <gasps> like. Ew. Well, and then to become a realtor, you would think that would be illegal. Oh, yeah. That comes up. You're not really okay. supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But yes, good catch. Yeah. Mm. You don't usually think about, but you kind of hope your realtor's not a registered sex offender. Seriously. According to court records, he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and had an IQ of 118, which is considered above average. The judge on his case said that Kolhep was, quote, very bright and should be advanced academically, mm. but he was behaviorally and emotionally dangerous. Yeah, I'm not shocked. And likely could not be rehabilitated. Mm, That's what the judge said when he was 15. Jesus Christ. I mean, normally, yeah, like, especially if it's a younger kid, they're like, oh, well, they haven't, they don't really understand. Right. Their brain's not done forming and all that kind of stuff. No, they were already like, this is not. Yikes. While in prison, he earned a bachelor's degree in computer science. So he wasn't an idiot, no, psychotic, he's smart. but not an idiot. Mm-hmm. In August of 2001, Todd Kolhep was released from prison after serving 14 years. Oh my God. He moved back to South Carolina because that's where his mother was living. In court papers, his probation officer wrote that he was dangerous and that he felt the world owed him something. Oh no. Yeah. So even after the 14 years, it's not looking... It's not looking good, right? Mm-mm. I'm sure he learned more skills in prison. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure he learned. Back in South Carolina, this is a minor mm. tidbit, but I thought you'd find it fascinating. He worked uh, for two years as a graphic designer. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah. For that so that gives us a good name, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then while he was doing that, he began taking classes at Greenville Technical College and then transferred to the University of South Carolina Upstate. Which, now that I think about it, again, if he's a registered sex offender... I know. Can he attend college? I mean, I guess most of those... Most of the students are over 18. That's true. But... But still... I don't know. I know. Right? Well, you usually don't think it's somebody who's going to be... No. Entering as a... Oh, God. I can't even... Despite being registered as a sex offender, Todd Kolhep was able to get a real estate license Mm -hmm. in June of 2006. Since then, a state law was passed requiring background checks. But at the time, there were no background checks and he just lied on his application. Oh, because I mean, it'd it'd be perfect. It'd be the perfect job for somebody like some serial killer, serial rapist. Like it's like um, uh, BTK who installed security systems. Yes. I mean, you're getting the security system to protect Mm -hmm. yourself from somebody like that, Mm -hmm. right? No. He graduated in 2008 with a Bachelor of Science degree in business, business, business. business. (laughs) I've been in some business, Business. yo. (laughs) In business (laughs) administration marketing. So now he's like got double degrees. I mean, so he started his own firm, TKA Real Estate, and Mm -hmm. he had about 10 agents working for him. Holy shit. He was doing and well. he was a top-selling agent in the region. So he did well. He, he could relate to people well or fake it anyway. Yeah. Somehow. Right. Cherry Lawrence, a real estate agent agent who worked at the firm and who she knew him for 10 years. Oh she said it was widely known that he was a register that he was registered as a what? sex offender. But he told people that it was based on trumped up charges after he had gone joyriding with a girl mm. and it upset her father. So he just played it off as, wow. with, you know, anything you do with somebody who's, you know, underage, mm-hmm. you know, you get, and people bought it. He must have been really good at manipulating by this time. Yeah. He learned he was, some he skills. He was very good at covering his shit, right? Once his current and former clients heard news of his arrest, they were very disturbed to know Uh, that a convicted sex offender had keys to their homes and access to their property for months. Well, yeah. Like that one episode you did with the the realtor keys and was able to get into the house. Exactly. Realtor keys. I mean, you do it so you're like, you know, well, you have the keys so that, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll just leave. You do a showing. God. I mean, just could Freaking you imagine? Creepy. No. 
No, thanks. No. Todd Kolhep was also known for odd things he posted online. Oh, God. Two weeks after Kayla Brown and Charlie Carver went missing, he posted this on Facebook. This is, quote, reading the news, this person missing, that person missing, another person missing. Oh, wait, that person just went to the beach with a friend. Other person found with her parole violation boyfriend. In the event I become missing, please note that no one would take me. I eat too much and I am crabby. What? What a weirdo. Yeah, right? That's just a weird thing. Really weird. And I remember hearing about this next part years ago, but it was before I did not realize it was attached to this case. Oh. It was something I was reading about bizarre Amazon reviews. Oh. Okay. Okay, some of those are hilarious. Yeah, I was just on a, I was on a, I was in a totally different rabbit hole and I I remember some of these, right? Oh my God. Okay. So investigators believe that Todd Kolhep left some bizarre product reviews on Amazon. Oh, I'm sorry, Clyde. Did I just step on you? I didn't know you were right there. Sorry. I just stepped on the cat. (laughs) Sorry, dude. I'm, I, you were sitting right there. (laughs) I know. I I was like, wow, the ground's really soft. (laughs) Whoops. It's a cat. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, kitty. Bad kitty. Good kitty. Oh God. So there are several items from a reviewer named me, just me, mm. me, me, and the account for me was linked to an Amazon wish list for a Todd Kolhep, which mm. is K O H L H E P P. It's not okay. a real common name. It's not no. like Smith. You know, the reviews were all from 2014, which is around the time he purchased the 95 acre property, which makes mm. it that much creepier. Mm-hmm. And I have screen grabs of these (gasps) so I can post them because it makes it even. Mm -hmm. Okay. So September 13th, 2014, this is for a SOG entrenching tool, Mm -hmm. folding shovel. He gave it five stars and said, Mm -hmm. keep in car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full size shovel at home. Does not come with a midget, which would have been nice. Oh, Jesus. I remember like reading some kind of like, I don't know, internet article. It was like, these are some random funny things people have posted on Amazon. And I remember reading that one. And everybody thinks he's joking. Yeah. He's serious. He's serious. Then there was a stun gun. Rechargeable. No. Five stars. Mm -hmm. Great item. Seriously trying to find a reason to zap one of my agents for being lazy. It's going to be the new office motivational tool. Yikes. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> right? I mean, normally I'd be like, ha oh, that's hilarious. But now I'm just but like, it's Whoa. a lot less funny, especially you knowing know the he person. was a realtor with yeah. agents. This is for a master lock, hidden shackle <gasps> padlock. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Five stars. <sighs> mm-hmm. He likes these Work. products. Here you go. Works great. Also, if someone talks back, go old school on them by putting this in a sock and beating them. (gasps) They will not appreciate the hardened steel like you will. Works great on shipping containers. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) Those are the three that I have screen grabs of. But then there is another one for padlocks that says Mm. solid locks have five on a shipping container, won't stop them, but sure will slow them down till they're too old to care. <gasps> Whoa, that's creepy. How fucking disturbed oh, is that? Oh, my God. And then the last one is for a knife. Ah, jeez, dude. It says, I think it was a hunting knife. Haven't stabbed anyone yet, dot, 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 yet, dot, dot, dot. But I am keeping the dream alive, and when I do, it will be a qual. It will be with a quality tool like this. Jesus Christ, dude! Is there any? Is there like a? There needs to be an Amazon detective that oh my god, like, yeah, fishes for all these creepy reviews and starts checking into these people. Holy oh, cow! Wow. On May twenty sixth, two thousand seventeen, Todd Kolhep accepted a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. <sighs> God, why do all these people always want to stay alive or think they're? I don't know. They don't seem to have any respect for no. life. So what? Why do you want? Why to stay are around? they? Yeah. Ugh. 
or think they're better than the people. Well, maybe he's got more Amazon reviews to do. Yeah, <laughs> I've got and a lot Facebook more purchase I've money right, to make. Got, right, I got I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So he pled guilty to seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault. And he was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences. Wow. So I don't think he's going He's not going anywhere, baby. You need your own shipping container. Right. Exactly. Damn. He claims there are more victims. (gasps) I wouldn't doubt it. I tried to look into that more. I found that in August of 2019, he told authorities he had buried two other victims near an interstate but that he mm. wouldn't give any information on who the victims were or where exactly mm. they were buried. Great. And I believe police are still investigating. I have a feeling that was August 2019 and then COVID. So I have a feeling, oh. mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, kind of got kinda, put on the yeah. back burner for a little bit, you know. So I haven't seen anything else and it doesn't look like he's talking anymore. But I. Maybe they I need to ask mom. Him. Be like, mom, who else in your son's past needed? He's right. Oh, he's still a good boy. Yeah. But who else pissed him off? We might need to know. I was just looking for murders connected to dirt bikes. (laughs) Well, I certainly found. Tumbled upon a serial killer. I was not looking (laughs) for that. Yeah. And I believe, I'm pretty sure there's a Netflix documentary on him that is sitting in my to be watched list on Netflix that I just haven't gotten around to. And I stumbled upon it. Wow, I'm going to have to check this out. Oh, that messed up motherfucker. Seriously. I mean, but his mom wants you to know (sighs) that you can't judge him just just on the seven people that he killed. Mm, What are we going to judge him on? The whole picture. Oh, okay. Like the rapes, the shipping container, the kidnapping. Get all that in there. Okay. And that he's he's not a serial killer. He's he's he just has anger issues. And he's taken them out on people the wrong way over multiple occasions oh. across several years. Okay, so pretty sure makes him a serial serial killer. Okay, yeah. got it. We Thanks, got mom. Yeah. Woo, mama. <laughs> Mama's got issues too. Yeah, right. I had a lot of sources. Oh, let's hear them. Let me tell you some of these. I'm ready. One is Revzilla. Ooh. Dot com. CBSnews.com, of course. The 48 Hours episode, Confessions of a Suspected Serial Killer. That's better than Swipe Right for Murder. (laughs) (laughs) Swipe Right for Murder. That one was so stupid. Oh, God. Okay. People.com, GreenvilleOnline.com, Medium.com, DailyMail.co.uk, and of course, Wikipedia. Oh, my God. He needed to go to a Tibetan temple at the very top of a mountain like, and fall off. <laughs> yes, and that too. Yes, like that. Take a long walk. <laughs> yes, take a long walk and think about yeah. shit. You know, I mean, he he went. He got two college degrees, and he. But it's like he, he started even, his own business. All right. and he was successful. So weird. I mean, what is the motivation? Just to hurt people, I guess. Gross. Don't make him angry. No. Kind of like the Hulk, but bad. 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 Don't Hulk. make him angry. You don't like him when he's. No, angry. you don't like no. no. I'm going to really be checking these Amazon reviews next time I'm buying things. Not that I buy the things this guy's going for. If I was going for a bone saw, I'm definitely reading those reviews. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. Well, yeah, thank you for, li- thank you for listening. Um, please. Leave an Amazon review. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> no, oh, okay, yeah. no. No, like us. Um, yeah, if you want to leave us like a like a iTunes review, don't mm-hmm. do anything that could be used against you in a court of law. Yeah, no shit. Just you know, like I get lots of ideas from listening to these yeah. two talk. If yeah, that's don't Mm-mm. don't drag don't do us that. in there. Mm-mm. You do that podcast, don't you? Thank you, everybody, for listening. I have so many photos to post. <gasps> Yay! There's a, there's Need a lot. To see so, what uh, we're dealing with here. He looks. Like an average, of course Joe, they always do. That's realtor. the problem. Oh my god, I know. You don't look like a monster on the streets. It's not the guy you see in the dark alley. Feathered, the feathered hair. The feathered hair. Chips if someone's up. wearing a leather jacket on a warm day, that's yeah. suspicious. That is suspicious. <laughs> Maybe it's because they were pitting out and they didn't want to show their pits. <laughs> there you go. It exactly. Happens. He Just was saying. pitting out. <laughs> 
He's like, no, I don't even want to see my pit stains. Well, he was trying to act cool at a motorcycle mm, shop. Yeah. And he didn't know anything about motorcycles. So mm. he's like, well, I'll just wear the jacket. Maybe they won't know. And they'll just think that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work. <laughs> and they're like, it's warm out. Why are you wearing yeah, so, so he shot everyone. Like, as one so does. Shot, right, exactly. Know? Because that is a reasonable mm-hmm. reaction. Oh, yeah. Psycho. Exactly. I liked it. Oh, that's all. All right. <laughs> yeah. Come back Thanks, next everybody. week. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> to see images from this story, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ODFM Podcast or on our website at odfmpodcast.com, where you'll also find a link to our merch store, where you can get awesome stuff like t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. And if the weekly podcast just isn't enough to fill your ODFM cup full, join our fan club on Patreon for more content like minisodes, bloopers, and discounts at our merch store. That site is patreon.com slash odfmpodcast. And if you do love our bloopers and need more than we naturally do, which is a lot, buy us a glass of wine at buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful.